Welcome to the Optimum Perspectives podcast. I'm Stephen Adams of Optimum Strategic Communications, and today I'm here with Soren Muller, managing partner of Novo Holdings Seed Investments in Denmark. We're going to be talking about what Novo Holdings Seed Investments is, how it helps young life science companies, and the challenges that the current funding environment poses to them. Welcome, Soren. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here today, and thanks very much for your time. Thank you. So let's get started. How would you describe Novo Holdings Seed Investments? What's its role, and how does it fit into the wider structure of Novo Holdings? So uh, Novo Holdings uh, Seed Investments is the early stage investment team in Novo Holdings. We're basically building new biotech companies from the early stage innovation and through to exit. In our structure, we can do the seed investment, we can create the companies, and then we stick with the successful companies all the way to the exit and put in you know, somewhere between 20 to $30 million or euros per company along a lifetime of the company. Fantastic. It's no secret that things have been a little difficult in biotech, in public markets at least, for almost two years now. Valuations of many small companies are well down on what they were. And money is not flooding into the sector like it was during the pandemic. Mm. How has this financial environment impacted the companies that you work with and companies more broadly in the sector? And what problems are they encountering as a result? Yeah, I think it's sort of a broad question. But to start with, I think cash is becoming more constrained in biotech and companies are focusing on, you know, delivering their key value creating milestones. I think in the sort of the mature end of our portfolio, we have focused on and been lucky to secure good syndicates for these companies. So they're in a situation where they can, if the progress is according to plan, shoulder delays in financings and these kind of issues. So I think that's less of a worry. I think in the early end of the portfolio and in general, I think people are getting more cautious about funding new companies. There's still money around for good companies. It may take a little longer to get the syndicate aligned. At least that's what we see. So companies have to prepare for to be patient and do the hard work and reach out to many investors before they get the high quality syndicate formed. And in my opinion, that would be the, the top priority for any biotech company get a deep-pocketed patient investors around the table and you can shoulder delays and ups and downs in the market. So the investors are becoming a bit more discriminating compared to a couple of years ago. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. And uh, it's becoming more difficult to get investors to agree at the same time that this is a company that they would want to fund. So therefore, time to get financings in place takes longer. Okay. And the impact is being felt more for the youngest companies rather than those that are a little bit more established. Again, is that correct? I think it, it, the impact is felt all over the value chain or the, the maturity chain. I think uh, if you are a company out raising a Series B or C crossover round before you are going to go, go public, that is also a place where it's difficult to raise significant amount of money. I would say that Seed rounds gets done. I think A rounds needs to get done with the strong syndicates, as I alluded to before. 
So I think the pressure is felt all across the maturity scale of biotech companies. Um, this financial situation, the funding situation, is it changing the types of financing that's being offered? Are some routes becoming more popular and others less popular? I mean, the one thing that springs to mind is there's obviously been a huge drop off in IPOs. Yeah. Yeah, I think at least the way we think about our portfolio is that we plan to keep these companies private for longer. So maybe you, you did a series B and then a crossover and then an IPO. Maybe you now you need to do a, a C and a D round to get real clinical conclusive data in your companies. And I think the good news is that at least from a European perspective, several funds have raised large funds. And I think at least we can see the contours of that capital market being able to take companies one or two steps further before they either are sold on clinical data or publicly listed. That's good news for European biotech. Has it changed Seed's overall investment strategy or not so much? It has changed the strategy from that perspective that we are planning to stay with our companies for longer through the C and D round. So we are allocating capital so we can do that. And especially in a market environment like this, where not every new round is an up round, as an early stage investor, it's important to protect your, your ownership from the early risk that you took and be active and participate in the later finance rounds. And we have sufficient capital in our sort of the way we operate to do exactly that. So that's good security for the companies that we invest in and build, but it's also a, it's the model for us to uh, make money. So your advice for companies would be, if they can, to make sure that they get involved with investors that have deeper pockets and are more patient as well. Yes, I think that's a good idea in this market environment. And build syndicates that are broad enough to follow the company longer. If we're thinking broadly about biotech and younger companies, how bad is the risk to them to some face, if you like, a mortal threat of going under or having to emerge when perhaps they wouldn't want to? Or is this problem being overblown? Are we getting it out of proportion? <laughs> That's difficult to say. I think there is definitely there is less cash in or less risk, you would say, in the ecosystem. And I think in some aspects, that's a good situation. There will be a tougher selection process. I do expect that there will be some mergers where companies that have potential synergies are getting combined with a broader investor base and a broader program base. But that could actually be a positive thing for all involved, couldn't it? I think that's a positive thing, yeah. Although this may involve the tough decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking forward for the next 12 to 24 months, do you see any green shoots yet? Do you think that some will evolve over that timescale? It's very difficult to predict the future. I do see that the XBI have stabilized at least, which is... Uh, a good early indicator that the market will be or may be changing. I think it's going to take some time still before we are back to a more positive uh, environment. And I don't think it's going to be a sort of a quick fix. And then we are suddenly back to the, the good old days. Uh, it's probably going to be a slow climb. So I think investors and companies have to prepare for that. And it's important that their expectations are set as such. Yes, exactly. 
As I alluded to, I think from the European perspective, I think over the last five years, we have seen large funds being established. So we are in a position to bridge that gap until the public markets come back at a more attractive uh, rate, you can say, or more active environment. And it will come at some point. The fundamentals are there, right? There's still a lot of unmet need. There's still unprecedented innovation. And uh, companies and investors have optimized their way to translate new innovation into products. So I'm very confident on the long-term perspective of our industry. We just need to bridge this downturn, however long it may be. Well, I think we've talked enough about these problems, which we all face. Let's talk about um, how young biotech companies are best nurtured and supported because like seedlings, they can be fragile things. How do we ensure that they flourish and what is Novo Holding Seed Investments doing to help them? This is our bread and butter. So um, we work very active with uh, entrepreneurs, scientists and founders to build the right new biotech companies. On a high level, it's about strong innovation. It is about good management, experienced management from the beginning. And then it's about providing that team with enough capital to execute on the milestones. And it's sort of a virtuous cycle. You're not getting the good management without strong innovation and enough money. You're not getting the money without the management. So we try to set it up with those three components from the beginning. On the management side, we are working with a network of what we call entrepreneurs and residents that we engage very early on with early stage innovation. We try to pull in innovation from various university groups or geographies or sources to make sure that the company that we build has the technology to solve the full package of questions that is needed for the company to succeed. We take upon ourselves to fund that early phase where we find the management, you know, put the innovation together and make it ready for a strong Series A investment with the right international syndicate. And that model has been very uh, useful and successful over the past three, four, five years where we've raised incubated companies on this model and raised 50, 60, 70 million euro dollar A rounds with with strong investor syndicates. So we're a firm believer in taking that upfront risk and getting it right from the beginning because I think that is what accelerates the success and gives the innovation the best chance to benefit patients. You and your colleagues at Seeds have got a huge amount of experience together. You've got decades of experience in doing this and working in this industry. Do you tend to take a sort of a more hands-on approach with these young companies or more of a hands-off approach? Oh, we are very hands-on. Many of our younger team members, they actually take one, two day roles in portfolio companies or incubating companies. We have some of our entrepreneurs and residents, uh, you know, spending time daily in the office. So there's very, very close collaboration. And I think that is what is needed. And that's also how we select projects to work with. That's our model. And if you want to run your own sort of project very independently, you know, that happens when the company matures. 
but in the early stage phase, we tend to get very much involved. Fantastic. So there's lots of people going from one office to another. To use a gardening analogy, there's lots of cross-fertilization of ideas. Yes, that's right. Okay. Let's talk about Denmark and the Nordics. Denmark's doing very well, isn't it, with its life sciences sector. And the Nordic region, more generally, is gaining quite a reputation. It's a really good place for biotechs. What's behind this growing reputation? Is it just a question of perception that maybe you're shouting a little bit louder about what you're doing and this has been actually happening for many, many years? Or has there been different things happening now that perhaps weren't happening in the past? There's definitely different things happening now that weren't happening in the past. I think it's a result of a sort of a long-term strategy and patient strategy for many players, including uh, the organization that I'm working in, uh, Novo Holdings and the Novo Nordisk Foundation, to really have a bold vision of building a life science industry in the Nordics. The science has always been very strong. Over the last many years, the entrepreneurial culture has really developed. So young, talented scientists, they, they definitely want to build their own biotech company. I talked about the long-term view, and I think not to be underestimated that there is a pretty strong pharma industry in the Nordics. Of course, we have Novo Nordisk, we have Lundbeck, AstraZeneca. So there is sufficiently experienced knowledge to put into these early-stage companies from people very, very experienced in the industry, and that is difficult to replicate from somewhere else. And then I think... In the last few years, we have created some successes, maybe exit sold companies. We have also been able to raise significant financing rounds for Nordic biotech companies. And this sort of puts us on the map. And uh, we definitely feel that uh, when we are out there in the world talking to investors and pharma, they want to know what goes on in the Nordics. So I think that's a Success, I guess, uh, creates even more success. It, it does. And outline, if you could, briefly, one or two of these case studies, these success stories. So Muna Therapeutics is one of our portfolio companies. It is a company that works with small molecules against neurodegeneration and inflammation. The company was incubated with the SEEDS team based on some early science out of one of our founders from University of Aarhus. We engaged one of our entrepreneurs and residents. He was the former CEO of Orphosyme to help us build this rare neuro company. And fast forward, during that incubation phase, we matured some of the, that um, initial science out of Denmark. We found additional small molecule assets from a collaborator in Italy, and we merged with a very interesting neuroscience target discovery platform from Belgium and raised 75 million euros as the A round with a strong international investor syndicate and with the CEO, uh, Rita Bellis Golden, now being based in the US. There's a couple of good learnings from that company creation story. It's about collecting innovation that, you know, solves a real problem for various universities or geographies. It is about finding the international talent that is the right people to 
lead and develop this innovation. And it's about getting the right investors into the companies. And the resulting biotech company now has operations in Denmark, Belgium, and in the US. So I think this is the way we, I see successful biotech companies developing, that they will have people from many different regions contributing and office space in many different geographies. And of course, that's a new way of working. And of course, we need to be good at making that semi-virtual model work in companies like that. But if you get it right, it's a great opportunity to build world-class biotech companies. Okay, that's very interesting. Thinking about how, if I can say, what the Nordic model is like in terms of supporting biotechs, which you've helped outline, is it different to the way that biotechs are supported in other geographies, principally the UK and the US? Or is everybody adopting a, a very similar model? There's definitely similarities, but I think there's also differences. I think if you are in a biotech startup in Boston, you can probably find most of the expertise that you need locally. If you are a European company, we are more spread out and we need to be good at this, uh, you know, spread geographical collaboration model. And we also need to think about how to... Um, access the U.S. capital markets and competence early on in the way we develop companies. So I think that's a clear difference. On the other hand, I think the European model is more cash efficient than the U.S. model. And I think there's definitely also a valuation arbitrage that, uh, in my view, some of the European companies are more reasonably valued than uh, Maybe a different podcast. <laughs> I think I think uh, we could talk for a long time on that particular issue. We're probably running out of time, but before we go, tell us a little bit about yourself, Soren. You have a, a scientific academic background, and I understand that that was one way that you were going to go, and then you sort of switched tracks. Tell me about that, and tell me why you decided to move. Yeah, I come from an entrepreneurial family. And I did my postdoc at Stanford in the late 90s, in 98 to 99. And this was the time where everybody was building their own biotech company in Silicon Valley. So this was very inspiring to me. And I just decided that industry was the right trajectory for myself. And I got my first industry job back in, in Novo Nordisk, like most Danes that are in this industry today. So it was uh, family and the Bay Area that inspired me to become a biotech uh, career. And I was reading somewhere that your father was um, an entrepreneur in design of furniture. Is that correct? That, that's right. That's right. I think I got a little bit of entrepreneurial gene or upbringing from that experience. It certainly helps because you need to be a little bit brave to be an entrepreneur, don't you? That's true. There's, there will be uh, risk taking and um, when problem comes, you need to solve them and you have to figure out a way how to do it. I think I was raised... Uh, with those kinds of inspirations, at least. And when you're not building companies, what do you like to do? Well, I listen to a lot of music I used to play when I was younger in a band. And um, what, I, what instrument? In, what instrument I, did you I play? I have a, a passion. I was a bass player. Oh, but um, today my kids have my bass, so uh, it's gone history. Art and design, I, I go and look for in my spare time. I do. Uh, 
biking and skiing when I'm not uh, in the office. So uh, even though Denmark is flat, many Danes uh, do travel for ski breaks, and I love that a lot. Cool. And finally, there are lots of problems facing the world in terms of human health and in terms of planetary health. And uh, we seem to have a, a talent as a species for making new problems for ourselves quite quickly. <laughs> are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? I'm optimistic. Of course, we need to make some tough decisions and uh, make some compromises on climate change. I think technology can solve a lot. And in, in our group, in the broader Nova Holdings, we are specifically investing into the green transition with biology as, a, as an engine. And the amount of innovation that we see in those areas makes me uh, very positive on the future. Whether we can get the regulations, uh, regulatory authorities uh, aligned, it may take longer than an entrepreneur has patience, but uh, I'm sure it's going to happen. That's great to hear. Soren Muller, Managing Partner of Novo Holdings Seed Investments. Thanks very much. Thank you, Stephen. It was a pleasure talking to you.